Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Higher souls watching over our planet and our species. When strange messages start coming to you through your friends, how careful should you be about believing them? When is what I should say is reincarnation all about? Hello there, and welcome to the 391st edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and asking those vexing questions was my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. So before we welcome our guest, let's do our weekly paranormal contest. So last week's question was, in what country in 2010 was air traffic rerouted because of an alleged UFO hovering over a regional airport? Well, the first to get that one right was Tammy Tavares from Pawtucket, Rhode Island. And the answer, China and in, in the I, I bow to, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, province or region, I should say, in northern China. That's where that occurred. Uh, I, th- I think you're right. I think your, pronunci- your pronunciation is uh, correct. But this week's question is, what famous house in Newport, Rhode Island, has a haunted suit of armor? So get that right, and win a copy of Turning Home, God, Ghosts, and Human Destiny, my dad's most recent book. So we do welcome callers this evening, and we always do, but the numbers locally, or from Canada, are 401-766-1240. Again, that's 401-766-1240. Or from anywhere in the U.S., 401-449-1240. Again, that's 401-449-1240. Winfrey, love that name, is the principal author with David Wilcock, one of our recent guests, of the niche international bestseller, The Reincarnation of Edgar Cayce, now translated into four languages. Many people look to Win as a guide, and at this time he does this primarily through writing and live conference calls. His work is attracting a great deal of attention at this time, and his website is www intelligent-infinity.com intelligent-infinity.com and also uh, there's a website uh, www.returnofedgar.com sounds like a movie or something (laughs) anyway Winfrey, welcome to Behind the Paranormal Hey Paul and Ben I am so honored that you chose to have me on today as your guest well, thank you. It's, it's good to have you. Uh, ben is going to start off with our, our questions. It's Sorry, I was a little preoccupied. Phone's ringing. Ben and, is also and the such. producer. So yeah, so if, if, I, uh, if I seem like I'm kind of distant, it's because I am. I'm not in the room. <laughs> so um, so let's start uh, off with... Uh, I'm sorry, what? I was just, just going to say you're probably distant in more ways than one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe. I just, <laughs> maybe. I've been doing this show for so long, you... Uh, you start to develop distant tendencies. Uh, but before yeah. we get into our main question, uh, can you tell us who Edgar Cayce uh, was, uh, for those who don't know? Edgar Cayce uh, died in 1945, and during 40 years of his life, a voice spoke through him, which people would query, and that voice demonstrated almost virtual omniscience. It was able to diagnose people's health problems with medical precision. Um, that people would get a diagnosis and then go to their doctor, and everything Edgar Casey said was usually proven accurate. Then that voice would um, 
tell people alternative remedies for their diseases and things that no one had ever used before, and people would use them, and they'd start getting healings. And then the voice would start telling people who they were in past lifetimes. Now, this is harder to validate, but how their present life circumstance was connected to things they did in the past, i.e., how karma works. And he did this for 40 years, and he had a secretary, and everything he said was written down, transcribed. And when he died, his children, who observed all this and knew that it was real, opened up a library, and people would come and research the library, many times authors who were going to try to discredit him, and they would end up writing books. And one of them, at least one of them, became a bestseller. I think it's called The Sleeping Prophet by Jess Stern. And from 1945 until the present, there's probably 500 books written about Edgar Casey and his readings. There's an organization in Virginia Beach dedicated to the propagation of his work, and many people consider him the most documented and accurate psychic prophet in the history of the world. I know that our, our popular guest, Murray Silver, uh, his family was involved with Edgar Casey. Uh, very, they, they literally worked together. So, um, But we, we've never been able to talk about Edgar Casey really on the air. This, this is our sixth season. We've never really done a show about him. And we, we won't entirely do, do it about him tonight, but at least you've introduced us to him. And uh, we, can, we can perhaps uh, go into that in another show. So uh, I guess we'll come back to the subject of Edgar, uh, and uh, Ben had a question about yourself. I have many questions. <laughs> so what, what happened to you in 2002? Well, let me start off um, prior to that, if you don't mind, sure. and say that I was a fan of Edgar Casey's Years ago, when I would have called myself an agnostic, and I read Edgar Casey. It was obvious there's no way this could be a fake or a fraud or someone could be making it up. And I had this intense intense question about who was actually talking through Edgar Casey. How does this work? What, what, there's more to this puzzle than meets the eye. And then in the year 2000, I discovered the website of David Wilcock. And David Wilcock had a little section on his website where he said that he had a resonance with Edgar Casey, And, of course, that really riveted my attention. And I started studying Wilcox's website, and his story connecting him to Edgar Casey was extremely powerful. And I decided, based on his story, uh, I mean, the, the connections were billions to one, connecting them, from reading his story and also reading and studying his channelings and also getting a reading from him at that time, that he had to be the reincarnation of Edgar Casey. And at the time, I was writing articles for a metaphysical magazine, and I petitioned my editor to let me interview David, and she looked at his website, and she said, Wim, that guy is some kind of a wacko. And I said, well, he may be a wacko, 
but uh, there's something coming through him, which is extremely important. So she said I should interview him, but um, she wasn't going to promise to run it until she read the interview. Well, I did interview David, and um, when I submitted the interview, she called me back and she said, oh, my God, you're right. He has to be Edgar Casey." And she said, I think you're the guy that's supposed to write the book about it. Now, I never wrote a book. <laughs> I wrote songs, I wrote poems, and I was writing metaphysical articles. And I kept studying Wilcock and his channelings, and I decided that writing that book was going to be the most important thing I could ever do with my life. And so... I convinced David, who was very resistant about it. He was—he knew himself that he was Edgar Casey. He didn't have any doubt about it, but he was um, afraid to put it out in the world in black and white. I, I, this is me speaking. I think he was afraid that people would expect too much of him, and that I told him that putting the book out was going to help get the rest of his work out into the world. And he finally agreed, and so for the next few years, I worked with David on this book, and he's my co-author. And when the book came out, David and I went our separate ways, and I believe he decided his strongest suit of getting this information about the shift out into the world was through research, documented material, rather than channeled material. And um, it, it, there were, like, answers to some of the deepest questions that people have about how the universe works coming through Wilcock. At that time, I was studying them. Like, who was talking through Casey? Who is acting as God for our planet? Um, how does all of that work? And they were giving all this huge, huge wisdom and guidance about how to how to cope with this shift that everyone now is talking about, you know, the Mayan calendar end date and what that meant. And, you know, when I started writing the book, I was absolutely certain that Wilcock was Casey. I was also certain that whoever was talking to him had incurred through him was having inc incredible wisdom about the nature of humans, how they grew, and how they had spiritual awareness. And they were attempting to help humans increase their level of connection to the greater universe. But they also had a cosmology, and they said who they were and 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 what was happening on our planet they described themselves as a group soul that was made up of graduates of this realm millions upon millions of graduates people that got off the wheel of reincarnation and acted as a helper and a guide for planets at lower levels of evolution and throughout our history this is what they said they had been one of those sources that when they whispered in someone's ear, like they did with Casey, oftentimes some great spiritual movement 
got started afterwards. And there was even uh, implication of a connection with Jesus. Now, as I was writing the book, I didn't know that. I couldn't prove it to myself. And I said, I'm just going to put this in there. This is what they're saying. And then I'll, I'll let people make up their own minds. And then in 2002, just, you know, I started writing the book somewhere around 2000. In 2002, while I was in the middle of writing the book, I had a new personal relationship. And we were driving from Los Angeles to Portland, Oregon, and it was pouring rain, and I did a prayer protection. This was in Northern California. And at the end of this prayer protection, like a joke, I said, does anybody want to talk to me? And she answered, and she said, we're here. Do you have questions? Now, I was sure she was kidding me. I thought she knew she knew I was writing this book, and she was just playing along. So I played along, and I asked some questions. And she was answering these questions, and it didn't quite sound like her, but I still thought she was joking. And then after a few minutes, she said, that's the strangest thing that ever happened to me. Well, I didn't know what to make of it, but we continued our drive, and a few days later, we were in a hotel in Portland, Oregon, and I asked her if she wanted to try it again, and I took a tape recorder out, and I said, does anybody want to talk to me? That was my opening line, and again, she answered, and I said, how come my friend can do this? And they said, your friend's from another dimension. She came here to bring these messages in, and this is a very important connection. And I, I, I'm very skeptical of channeling. I mean, uh, the only so person I really, yeah, the only person I ever really paid attention to was Edgar Casey, because he was so documented. There had to be something there, and so. I did not embrace this voice and say, wow, somebody's channeling them. I mean, it was a little scary. Who's this talking to me? And so then I asked them, I said, um, can you uh, predict a newspaper headline? How do I know my friend is not crazy and she's making this up or she's schizophrenic? And then they went and they said, watch for this headline in two weeks. And two weeks later, there was the headline. So I was pretty convinced. I didn't know they were positive. What was the headline? But you have to go to my website because because I tell the whole story of my opening video. I have a copy of the headline on the video. And it's better not to take the time up for all the details. But trust me, they did it. All right. Intelligentinfinity.com. Um, so well, for the next six months... She would interrupt whatever we were doing, and she would say, those guys want to talk to you again. And they never lectured me. They just asked me to ask them questions. So I just started asking questions, and I asked questions about everything under the sun, including whether they could help me at the horse races. <laughs> <laughs> and, in fact, the answer to that was they said it wouldn't be in the best interest of your highest mission this lifetime for us to do that. <laughs> and I started asking them about 
all the stuff that was in the book I was writing, all the cosmological stuff that I had a big question about. And I kept getting the same answers as were coming through Wilcock that I had never, ever heard anyone else say before. And this is going on for about four months. And then I get a call from my brother-in-law, and he tells me, my sister is going in the hospital, and they don't think she's going to survive. So I take a shot, and I ask this voice. I said, can you help my sister? And they said they could. Well, the next day I get a call from my brother-in-law, and he tells me that my sister survived this operation, and I was fairly sure it was coincidence, that it was not really cause and effect here. But a few weeks later, I get another call from my brother-in-law, and he tells me that uh, something really strange happened. Joanne went to the hospital. She had to get tests to see if the cancer had returned, and the nurse said there was no cancer, but there was something wrong with her test because she had lupus, and the lupus disappeared from her test. And so they kept testing her and testing her and testing her, and the lupus didn't show up. So my brother-in-law says, what do you think happened? Now, he didn't know I'm having talk, uh, conversations with these guys, and I said, I'll talk to you later, at which point I went back and we did another session, and I said, how did you guys do that? And they said, we just projected a filter into her blood and took the lupus out. And I said, uh-oh, I've never heard of anyone the channel reporting an experience like this. And um, in the meantime, the woman who was channeling was freaking out over it. She was having negative attacks. She was um, scared and Probably a few weeks later, she left me. She drove off, and I thought this was the end of it. And I called, after a few weeks of having a broken heart, I called up my old girlfriend who came over, and let me tell you, I, I don't really like to put my personal life out, and I have... Um, both women have given me permission to talk about this at this point. Well, girls ought to think twice before they go out with you anyway. <laughs> well, I, I warned them. Right. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. You wouldn't believe how many women have called me, you know, have approached me, and, and I haven't, I've turned everyone down thus far, but they think they're going to channel if they're with me. So um, I'm with Terry, and Terry wakes me up in the middle of the night, and she says, get the tape recorder out. And this voice comes through her and says, it's the same source. They said, what I'm doing was really important, and um, I could reach them through Terry. Now, again, up to this point, I have not convinced myself that I can trust this source. I didn't mistrust them. I was just saying... if. If it's going to be trust, if they're going to be trustworthy, it's going to build over time. It's not because I decide to trust them uh, based on even the fact that they healed my sister. So I started a whole thing of questioning Terry, and initially um, 
I still was very skeptical. I was even skeptical that it was the same voice. My first impulse was that uh, some part of her wanted to connect with me and wanted to channel and wanted to be important and that maybe some part of her subconscious was, was making it up. Well, let, let me ask, and, was, was it the same voice coming out of both women? Well, you know what? In your opinion? It, 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 it was not that they use the personality of the person. Um, so in one case, the voice sounded different than the other case. Okay. They said it was the same intelligence. And, you know, we're dealing with group souls here, and it's a whole different, you know, when you talk about the idea of channeling, you know, there is a, a huge spectrum of intelligences that can come through people. There's deceased people. There's wise people. There's ascended masters. There's negative. There's reptilians. There's God knows what. And it's very hard to figure out who's talking to you, particularly when you know that a negative source can say they're anybody, and that doesn't mean they are who they say they are. In other words, if they want to say they're Jesus, they can. If they want to say they're God, they can. Mm -hmm. And just because something is channeled and because somebody said they're this and this, you can't believe it. I'm glad you pointed that out because it saves us asking the question. Right, right. And I spent three years trying to validate this source because this was no small-time source. They were identifying themselves by the name the Council of Elohim. And I googled the word Elohim, and I found things like the name for God in the Old Testament, the name the Mormons used for God, the creators of the physical universe, and I asked them, are you the same Elohim? And they said, we're part of the same. And I said, why are you talking to me? And they said, well, you're like a cosmic midwife. You know how to bring these things out into the world, and you don't have ego about it. Well, I asked them questions. I asked them, so how do, you know, how do you create the universe? How does the interaction between man and you work? What do you want from us? Do you really, like when I asked them, do you really like to be worshipped? They said, no. They said, they, they're not God in the way people think of God. They exist as pure energy that's aware of itself. And that energy is, the, the universe is one energy. The law of one is what they call it, and that we are all part of the same energy. So they are, in fact, us and we're them, but we have separated ourselves by coming into the physical realm and bodies, and by being in this dimension, we invariably lose connection, most of us, with this idea that we're all part of each other. Okay, wait, and, I'm sorry to interrupt, but we're going to have to kind of... of uh kind of get some control here of, of the uh, I, I think there are a lot of questions as you've spoken that listeners might have okay and uh, all right we also have a break coming up too but uh wh- let's start with this dimension thing well uh, oh okay you want to go with that all right uh so you were told that uh your friend was from another dimension so what exactly does that mean well 
the way that I understand it is that the universe is comprised of many dimensions, and dimensions could be looked at as timelines, where time moves at different speeds, and that we are in what they call third dimension 3D, and our senses are designed to read 3D. Now, when people go into intuitions, when they go into psychic awareness, they start tapping in to other dimensions, and it gets downloaded in their mind as impressions. Now, what I understand, and of course I can't prove this, that in various dimensions, there are actually civilizations, there are beings, and um, they exist as much as we do, but we can't see them. Some of them are very advanced, and they can see us, but we can't see them because we're contracted. Also, that I've come to understand that at the very higher dimensions, there's very positively disposed beings that are really concerned with the evolution of the universe, and that many of these higher beings chose to take bodies in this realm in order to be of service, knowing that once they got here, they would forget they made that choice, and they'd have to rediscover it. Okay, I well, think, uh, let me stop you there, because yeah. we have to take a commercial break. But when we come back, uh, I think you, you might be surprised at how our own experience, particularly mine for the past 40-plus uh, years, has... Uh, in a way, been similar to yours, although we might use different terms and maybe some different concepts. But anyway, you are listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 AM and ONWorldwide.com in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Greg Bell, the host of Wind Radio Was. I'm Mortimer. Bill. Is that you under that blindfold? Bill. With this thing on, I can't see who I am. No, I imagine not. <laughs> can't you see anything at all under that blindfold? On a clear day, I can see the blindfold. You can. Yeah. Wind Radio Was. Shows from the past for today's imaginations. Wind Radio Was airs Monday through Friday right here on ON 1240 Radio at 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. And we wanted to remind you about Amazon Kindle Fire. Uh, Amazon.com, where Staples has this wonderful device. Of course, at this point, there are 22 million, I'm told, books, applications, games, movies, TV shows, anything you can think of, magazines, newspapers, that can be downloaded to this device. The Kindle Fire, of course, ranges in price from the basic uh, unit uh, for under, to certainly way under $200, all the way up to $499 for the 8 inch large one, of course, 4G LTE model, uh, the Kindle Fire HD. And, of course, you've got the high-definition definition experience as well. And there's also the Kindle Paper White, many different models for whatever you want to use them for. And, again, you can get uh, my books, a um, number of them, of course, Faces at the Window, Footsteps in the Attic, Turning Home, God, Ghosts, and Human Destiny. And under my historian's hat, Rhode Island, A Genial History, written with Glenn Laxton from Channel 12, now retired. Great uh, historian, good friend. Check those out at Amazon Kindle Fire and Amazon, again, as I say, Staples or Amazon.com. Check it out. It's a great gift, and gift-giving time is coming near, so check it out, Amazon Kindle. So behind the paranormal, here we are again, live 
from Park Avenue at the studio WON1240. We're talking to our very uh, interesting guest, uh, Win Free. So, Win, I know you, you were talking about something, but I, a lot of a lot of questions came up as you were go, as you were telling us your story. So, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but if there are these great cosmic forces out there, why do they care about us? Well, because they created the universe, and the universe got screwed up. And they've explained to me pretty in great detail how things got screwed up down here. And they would like to be available to help us unscrew it up. And uh, we're part of their creation. It's just as if you had children and your children were going astray, you probably wouldn't just abandon them. You'd be there for them until they reached back for you and you found a way to help them. Are you talking about uh, what others might find equivalent to alien genetic manipulation in our remote past, or are you are talking about gods literally creating us? Or is it the same thing? Well, it's, 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 the, the answers are complicated. And right, yeah, they are. Especially I, with a I'll language to, that can't quite express many of these. I'll, I'll, I'll try to give my quick and succinct understanding of this. And I, I want to say that I always tell people there's a lot of backup for everything I say. And I give my book away for free. So if, if I've sparked your curiosity, don't believe anything I say here because I can't give all the backup in this short show. Yeah, it's but very the book short. Is yeah. Available, yeah, the book is available on the homepage of intelligent-infinity.com, mm-hmm. and I recommend you take advantage of reading it. Um, but what happened was, originally, there was chaos, and there's a mystery here about how chaos became aware of itself, but somehow chaos became aware of itself, which you could call the first cause. And being aware of itself, it was lonely. It was only the only thing. And it learned that it could subdivide itself and create kind of duplications that would be aware that they were part of each other at the same time, have the ability to have a certain individuation. And so there became millions of these individuations that existed in what you could call, there was no time, there was no space. They were inventing time and space by their individuation. And initially... There was no, there was no um, persistence. Everything existed and then was gone. They could communicate. They could project holographic messages to each other, but nothing persisted. So there became the idea that maybe they could create persistence. And so through... I mean, I, I've asked them this question. They've answered it in great detail in my book. But just to make it simple, they would project frequencies, and they would do it as a group, and somehow the frequencies would combine in a node, and where the node was became a 
point of time space that didn't exist before they did it. And this became the beginning of the physical universe. That's and very very they, Greek, really. That's kind of almost Russian. what the Greek the ancient Greeks believed. Yeah, well well what happened was that 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 um, there were planets, there were galaxies, and then there was intelligence. And the intelligence was able to connect with the spirit world through DNA. DNA was the blueprint each human has to create a liaison between dimensions. Okay, I'm going to stop and you there, when because th- th- that's a big point, all right? Um, you do, I do remember, I, I, we did not, I did not have a chance to read your book because you were booked ra- rather on the show rather quickly and there just hasn't been time. However, I did notice something you said, and correct me if I'm not interpreting you correctly, but that, uh, well, our, our whole view on the reincarnation thing is a little different because uh, the classical interpretation of it is does not really fit with modern physics, okay? But that being, be that as it may, you make the statement that, uh, and you, there is a picture on your website of Dave Wilcock, who, as I say, has been a guest on the show, although not on this subject, uh, next yes. to a picture of Edgar Casey, and of course they're very, they look very much alike. And you make the statement that the DNA somehow is transferred to the person who was reincarnated in, in their new body, and I, I, ha, I don't know, I, I don't really get that. I mean, don't the didn't David Wilcox, if he is the you know reincarnation or so-called reincarnation of, of of Edgar Casey, wouldn't David's parents' DNA have had something to do with what he looks like? And and be, being a, a an amateur, well, amateur genealogist, it's a, I'm really uh, into that. Uh, people look alike. I mean, that you can be fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth cousins and still have a resemblance. Well, like I I was told in the sociology course I took that if you have like my my professor gave an example like who here ha- is has like uh, an intolerance to milk? But you raise their hands. He's like, oh well, you all share similar genes. So yeah, it works like that. I mean, you. Well, I, I just you know, with all due respect to our guest, I just wanted to point out too that what what you say when is that the uh, the soul, whatever that may be, remembers the DNA and carries it over to the next life. Could you just go into that? Because that just doesn't make sense to me. We're not criticizing you. We're just trying to understand. Well, I'm criticizing. I, I wanted, oh. I'd like to like no, 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 no. Listen, listen. You can, you can ask me whatever you want. I'd be happy. If I can answer it, I will. And in this particular case, um, if somebody goes through history and says, who do I look like? And then they decide that's that person. That's certainly not enough to create a case of reincarnation. Here is the way that I believe it works. You could call it your soul, the part of you that extends into other dimensions that's invisible to you, holds a kind of a memory of everything you are. It's sometimes the way I describe it, it's like a computer where you have a screen and a monitor, and you have a hard drive. And the screen and the monitor are like your physical embodiment, and your hard drive might be like your soul. So everything you do in your physical awareness 
is transferring back and forth and being held in that hard drive, which is your soul. And when you die, your monitor and your screen disappear, and your soul looks for a new body to inhabit. And when it comes into the new body, when the soul comes into the new body, it's carrying the imprint of the DNA from the past life. But the DNA that develops in that new body, it's not a linear relationship where it's an exact duplicate of the DNA of the past life because everything is affecting the DNA, including the astrological energies, including the parents. So the past life DNA is one aspect. If a person had an extremely strong expression in their past life, the DNA of their past life might show more predominance than the astrological or the parents, or they can all be mixed up. It's not, you know, like you can make a scientific thing that says everyone's going to look exactly like their past lifetime. Now, in David's case, that was not what happened to him that convinced him he was Edgar Cayce. He started getting... Do you mind if I take a moment and share the story of how that awareness came well, about? Well, actually, him? we might have to leave that for another show. We might have David on about this because I, I, I hate to cut people short, but it's just you know, we're so limited with time here. But let me ask you this: When uh, let me just see what you think of this. Our experience with reincarnation is quite different. Uh, physics being what it is, it indicates, especially quantum physics, indicates very clearly that all time is simultaneous. You can't have past lives because there is no past. What we see being interpreted as reincarnation, and take this, you know, with all due respect to your work, and take this for what, what it's worth, is that we all, it's sort of one big life all being lived simultaneously, our entire subconscious being made up of parallel lives, not past lives or future lives. And I've tested this with regression therapists, and I've asked, do you ever have people describe worlds you don't recognize? Uh, and they say, yeah, they do, and they describe lives in the future and all this business. So it kind of makes it a little bit different from what the traditional interpretation may be, For again, for what that's worth. In, from that point of view, we are all Edgar Casey. Right now, we share his life, his imagination, his memories, his experiences. All of us do. Well, some we are people, all win-free. We're all Ben Eno. We're all David Wilcox. Some of us just tend to tap into it more often than others. And it seems to be a lot of awareness. So, I mean, again, that, what say you to all that? I mean, uh, it just, I think we're kind of saying the same thing, but we're interpreting it differently, and the process seems to be different well, to I, us. I, I actually agree with you. And the fact of the matter is, in the highest truth, we're all the same energy. The problem is, in our realm, people are not able to tap into that experience. Oh, I, 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 I don't, uh, don't agree with that at all. It's happening all over the place now. And people are, a lot of people are terrified by it, and they're writing to us about it. I'm right. sorry, go well, ahead. Some people tap into it. I, I mean, if you really tap into it, what happens is you're compassionate. And if you're compassionate, our realm wouldn't be screwed up. Oh, you're diagnosed schizophrenic. Yeah, or you're diagnosed schizophrenic. But, yes, I agree that all time is simultaneous. 
Time is an artificial mechanism so we can experience life. And if you talk about reincarnation as being in the past, it's just a way of modeling something. So, for example, if someone had done certain things in what you could call past lives, then everything they did is in present in their present life, but they don't understand where the patterns come from. And so if they can get a better handle on a pattern in their life that's inexplicable, they can use that to help them perhaps forgive themselves for something they did in the past or understand themselves better. And, yes, the truth is all, all lifetimes are simultaneous. So all those past lives are present in your present field. I, I hear and, what you're getting at, yeah. Yeah, the, using the vocabulary, but, you know, we're trying to communicate, and we're, we're all trapped in time. Yeah, so, and it's, it, our words really don't, are not able to capture these concepts. That's the problem with language. Yeah, you want to right, get frustrated, right. try running a talk show on this subject. You know? <laughs> right. So, I mean, my challenge is to try to verbalize this in a way that people can hang their hat on it and look at it and then hopefully create an inner healing with themselves where they can resolve whatever issues they're carrying forward in in a past lifetime track. Okay, well, let me jump ahead. Okay, And again, we'll give you a chance to, to promote the book, and it's very good of you to, to let people have it for nothing, and we'll tell them where they can get it at the end of the show, but we're so limited on time, I wanted to cover one thing. Now, one thing you said when that was very interesting, you're talking about a shift that's coming, is and of course, we're, we're, this is, we're two months away from the famous date, uh, December 21st, 2012, when many people believe something related to the Mayan prophecy will happen. What say you on that? Is that the shift you're talking about? That's the shift I'm talking about. Okay, can you say something about that? I'm going to try to say this. I, 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 all these things are like two-hour answers. Oh, and I know. That, I know how frustrating it is, believe me. We <laughs> right. deal with it twice a week. Well, are you familiar with astrological cycles? Well, yeah, I don't know if I give them much credence, but I have the, all things are related, and so, yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's take this as a hypothesis, since we can't prove it on this show, that there's one energy that makes up the entire universe. And that energy is projected from the center of the universe, and it moves through all the galaxies and all the planets, and, and it arrives on planet Earth. And everything in the universe is a form of that energy on all dimensions. It just subdivides, it concentrates, you're that energy, I'm that energy, the etherical, etheric world is that energy. The other dimensions are that energy. And that on December 21st, 2012, there's a certain pattern that's not just astrological, but goes with galaxies. And that that energy is at its highest point that it's been in at least 75,000 years. So it's creating something to occur, which is something that has not happened in the recorded history of mankind. And I've asked numerous questions about this, and I'm not getting catastrophe. I'm getting that um, what's happening is the 
energies of the ethers are getting stronger than they ever have been, which means that a person, through their intent, can change their evolutionary path faster in this period of time than any time in the history of mankind. And there's a lot more to it. That's just the simple answer. But it would be just as an This is the end of an epic error, but it's not going to be necessarily, unless the negative tries to do some kind of event to take advantage of people's fear. It's well, that's not what we're going, getting. Yeah, well, that's, they're, they're thinking of it. They, 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 I mean, I studied this, and, you know, there are all those potentials. But one of the things I've learned is that these sources that I've connected with operate through all the timelines, and they have the ability to change things or re recorrect things, but their criteria is that people ask and they don't violate free will. So they have to correct things, not in the manner of negative be gone, but finding those cracks and spaces where there's positive and having energy flows in the positive. Like, I believe they can stop a nuclear weapon from going off. I believe these sources I'm talking to, and they've said this, have been, are responsible for crop circles. Well, yeah, well I was going to ask you, that. what connection is there with... You know, we've talked to high-ranking military officers on the show who have talked about UFOs coming and deactivating nuclear weapons on their bases. Of course, that's, you know, they're saying that on peril of their pensions, but they do say it. Is there a connection with this group you're talking about? Um, I don't believe they operate with UFOs. You know, when they did that healing with my sister, where they said they could project their energy into her blood and take the lupus out, I became very fascinated with their ability the, the potentially to work on, um, you know, atomic molecular levels, transforming things. And when I asked them, they said they could stop a nuclear weapon from going off. Now, there's a lot of stuff that I can't validate. Uh, I, I, I can't say I can prove that, and I don't want people to believe it. One of the things is, is I do these conference calls. We have live conversations with them. People can listen in. I tell people, don't believe anything. Draw your own conclusions. And many people that have been coming into my conference calls have been having amazing things happen for them as a result of being on the call. And we put things in the light. We create group intentions. Um, and they're, they're in the group. And then we put transformative things in the light. And sometimes something happens. And was it coincidence or was it going to happen anyway? I can't prove it. But we have a track record of amazing phenomena. And somebody just has to watch it and draw their own conclusions. All right. Uh, okay. I can see that. The word Elohim that this group applies to us. And one thing that strikes me is that you have all kinds of mediums and prophets and people who are, are receiving information like this, but the groups call themselves different things, uh, Ascended Masters, Enlightened Ones, Seth, 
I mean, how do you know which is, are they all correct? Is not, well, how do you deal with that? It confuses us and <laughs> makes us doubt the whole thing. Well, I don't blame you for being confused and doubtful. When you, when you build into the idea that um, negative sources can talk to the people and they can use any name they want. Darn right. And none of it ever goes you know, anywhere. You know, Jesus, Jesus made, I believe Jesus was positive. Okay, I believe Jesus was Grant you that. <laughs> an, as- an, an aspect of these guys coming in here, and he gave one of the best criteria, a couple of criteria, which I have used over and over again in my own work, to, you know, and one of them was, by your, by your fruits you shall be known, or by your work you shall be known. Mm-hmm. So you can't listen to what somebody is saying. You have to look at the impact to people around around them and determine the positive aspect of something based on the impact. The other thing Jesus said was, you'll know me not by the way they love me, by the way they love each other. So if work is coming from the Christed energies of the highest energies, it's not going to create a demagogue. It's not going to create somebody that says, follow me or else. It's going to create a situation where people learn to love each other, and they open up their abilities to do that. And those are two of the best criteria to apply to any teaching, including my own, uh, to determine if there's any validity in it. Yeah, no, Somehow, yeah. yeah, it's got to impact you in a way that causes your life to change. If it's just a new belief system, you may as well, there's, there's 10,000 belief systems out there, and it, it's not a belief system. It's got to be deeper than a belief system. Yeah, it's got to be a way of life. So what you're saying That's, is that, that these Elohim, this Elohim group or Edgar Casey and what he said is all leading up to this shift, which is going to at least begin round about two weeks from now. Effectively. Actually, the, the shift has been ongoing for a long time. Yeah, it would have to have been if, and, if it's true. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. And, and, but the key is, not everyone is going to be open to the energies of the shift. It's like you have to make a conscious looking for it and sensing it. And, um, I mean, for some people, the, the shift is just another day watching television. Yeah. <laughs> How <laughs> or, depressing. Or hating their- or hating their neighbor, or, <laughs> yeah. or you know, and, and they're not, you know, this. What the shift is doing is it's giving people the opportunity to make a quantum leap in their growth, but they have to look for the energies, okay? And it's not easy to find the energies when so many things in this realm are not of that energy, okay? that are contracted and negative and belief systems, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Well, before we continue, I want, because we're almost out of time, I wanted to give Wynn a chance to talk about, uh, again, his book, his websites, uh, his conference calls, and where you can get involved in that. Thank you. Um, well, as I have learned, my own discovery is that there are two group souls that are extremely positive that are available energetically to help you. And they say, as you read their words, you have the opportunity to connect with our energy. And 
these two books that I have represent those two group souls. Um, the reincarnation of Edgar Casey is half the book is messages from the group soul trying to give all this wisdom of um, what's going on. And they say, as you study us, we study you. You can get the book on returnofedgar.com. There's a link there to go to Amazon. It's only $12 in some sense. And you can read all the details which are really required in order to believe that even any of what I said is possible. And the other book is called The Creator God of the Physical Universe Wants to Talk to You. And that's available for free on my website. It tells the whole story of how this started for me. And half the book is me questioning this Elohim source about who they are, how prayer works, what happens when you die, how things got screwed up, and just read it and see if it resonates. For many people, they're saying it's giving answers that they've never heard before, that put a lot of missing pieces of the puzzle together. And then if you read the book... And when you download the book, you'll get invited to my conference calls, which we do three times a week. They're free. And if it resonates, you can continue this developing this connection on these calls. Okay, great. Well, and, I certainly can, I want to echo what you said. Check it out, folks, and, and judge for yourself and see what you think. Ben, any uh, any comments? Uh, well, this was definitely a very interesting show, definitely an interesting viewpoint we don't usually hear very often. Yeah, and again, you know, we're limited by our time. Uh, both our shows are an hour long, and it's uh, I know, very frustrating for us and lists, for guests. Sometimes. Lists and lists of questions that we have not yet exactly. gotten to. We yeah. only got to the third page, actually. <laughs> we did. You know, I, I, would, I would say that by my cosmology, both of you are, are beings that came in from another dimension, that are here to be of service right now. Well, my wife would say and that would explain a lot. My girlfriend would say the same thing. <laughs> and, of course, Ben, Ben, you've read about crystal kids, right? Crystal children? Uh, indigo children. Uh, indigo no, children? Oh, say, oh, it's the same thing. Uh, yes, I have, actually. I mean, I mean, what my understanding is that is a lot of high interdimensional beings chose to take bodies to help with this shift right now. And um, I've looked at your picture. I've looked at both of your pictures. But I would, I would, if I was placing bets, I'd say Ben is most certainly one of those beings. You know. I try. You should have. It was. You're right. It's very interesting. Uh, in his earliest days, from the days he could walk and talk, it was. Uh, he was a very interesting character. <laughs> and I'm right. very proud of him. You know, when Ben was growing up. He was proud. You were probably learning things from him. Absolutely, right? and I've never stopped learning from him. Like how he gets you stuck never in stopped. Trains. I mean, that's because he came in because of this shift. It increased. This is. I don't. I start talking and I can't stop. The, you know, the DNA <laughs> has increased its evolution, so the children have the opportunity to be very evolved, and so they've come in more more advanced in many cases than their parents. But they chose really compassionate parents so they'd have a environment to be all they could be. Well, there you have it. I'm afraid I have to stop because we're flat out of time, Win. <laughs> but win free, everybody. Check it out. In, uh, what's your website again? <laughs> I'm sorry. I have a senior moment. 
intelligent-infinity.com. That's right, infinitycom Well, you floored me with your flattery. But anyway, but thank you so much for being on, and uh, we'll be in touch off the air. All right. All right, very good. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Bye thank now. you so much. Okay, some announcements, Ben? We do, and we just barely have time for them. So my dad and I will be featured speakers at the All Hallows' Eve Psychic Fair at the Crown Plaza Hotel in Warwick, Rhode Island, next Sunday, October 28th. It's $6 in advance and $8 at the door to get into the event, and an additional $10 for our program. So find more information on www.behindtheparanormal.com, and for other events, check there, too. Okay, and stay tuned for news of Necronomicon Providence, the H.P. Lovecraft convention set for August 23rd to 25th, 2013, in Providence, and we'll be keeping you updated on that. We hope to have one or two guests who'll talk about it as well. And our websites, contact us through BehindTheParanormal.com, and check out our guests as well on that on that site. You can buy my books as well. And there are over free, 400 free podcasts now at that site. So many thanks to our producer, Ben himself, and next week, October 29th, we welcome researcher Maureen Caudill to talk about impossible realities, things that can happen but do. So on our regular CBS Radio Edition on October 28th, our guests will be UFO great Stanton Friedman and Kathleen Martin. And the subject is Science is Wrong. Was wrong. Or Science was Still wrong. Still wrong. Okay. All right, so take All right. away. Uh, we leave you this evening with a thought from American financier Malcolm Forbes. When you cease to dream, you cease to live. So thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we will see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.